2: Welcome to the first episode of This Is How You Do It. For those of you who don't know the first new podcast from The Guilty Feminist, at MediaStorm, Helena Wadia and I, Matilda Mallinson, take our frustrations at the world out on our own beloved industry,
0: the mainstream media. So today it's time... Something positive. That's right, there are change makers grinding away in the media, working to showcase marginalized voices and make it all a little bit less sensationalist and a little bit more uplifting. So we're teasing them in with some midweek, mid afternoon wine and chocolate biscuits to tell us about how they do things right. This, by the way, is a guilty feminist
2: and media storm crossover series, so it'll be appearing as a bonus episode on both feeds
0: every other week from today. Time now to introduce our guests for the this episode. The award winning political editor for Galden magazine was shortlisted for the Amnesty Media Award for her coverage of Chile's social uprising. And that's just her day job. By night, she's known to country music lovers as Naomi in blue. She has even been a Forbes 30 under 30. Naomi Larson Pineda, can I offer you white wine, pink wine, or a, a rhubarb refresher? <laughs>
3: why is that funny I don't know this is
0: what
2: I have
3: <laughs> next time you can provide drinks fine I will I'm gonna go for pink wine pink it's wine it's a hot day
2: yes I'm so glad that you're not on a post-Gastonbury cleanse
3: I'm just gonna continue the party
0: excellent it's- Matilda do not spill that on any of the equipment Matilda is a very spilly person
3: it's a cute nickname no
0: spilly spilly <laughs> oh god <laughs> this is gonna stick now Naomi, what we're here for.
3: Tell us first what you do now. So I'm uh, Galdem's senior politics editor and I'm quite new. I've only been there a couple of months but I'm really loving it. And
2: what makes Galdem different to other news outlets? It is
3: a publication that is dedicated to amplifying the voices of people of colour from marginalised genders. So we work with with writers who fit that description and we tell the stories of how people of colour and marginalised communities navigate the world, living in kind of systems that are against them effectively.
2: Could you give us an example?
3: So one that we, we recently published this week was a story from Chile about a politician who had watched Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, saw the stealthing scene and was inspired to make stealthing a crime in Chile. So she's... That kind of trying amazing.
0: to bring that into force, yeah. That is so cool. What yeah. a cool story. And for those of you who maybe don't know, um stealthing is when somebody removes the condom during what was consensual sex and that is a crime in the UK. It's classed
3: under rape but um, what they're trying to do over there is actually make it into a separate a separate crime I Mm. guess.
0: Obviously you mentioned Chile there Mm -hmm. and a lot of your work has been focused on Chile. First of all just tell us why.
3: I'm half Chilean my mum is from Chile so I've got loads of family over there. I went a few years ago in 2019 to sort of live there and float around for a bit but then that's when the the social uprising happened.
2: How how was it reporting in that environment during the social uprising?
3: It was super intense. I had come from a perspective where it was very personal. The reason why there was this social uprising was due to inequality that had built up for years and years and years. It's to do with kind of the internet, intergenerational trauma from the dictatorship, which only finished, you know, just over 30 years ago. That's the
2: Pinochet dictatorship. The, yeah,
3: the, the Pinochet dictatorship, it was this sort of fascist, awful person who was around for 17 years.
0: Love them. Yeah. The fascists. Shout out to all the
3: fascists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there was was so much bubbling away that ended up in this huge wave of protests all up and down the country, fighting for indigenous rights, women's rights, LGBTQ plus community, but also just, you know, working class people. It's kind of everything. It was this huge amalgamation of stuff. And they have a really big protest culture in Chile anyway, so they'll protest every single day. And I was in the middle of it all, trying to spread the word of what was going on to the international community.
0: When there's something like protest and protest about so many injustices that you just mentioned, and there's so much emotion and there's so much trauma as well wrapped up in all of that, how do you report Whilst keeping that kind of trauma in mind.
3: So I think it's I think it's super hard because inevitably you take on some of that trauma as a as a reporter and as a journalist because you are literally listening to and trying to understand and trying to be empathetic. Listening, like fully listening is is really important and giving people a space to to share in a trusting way and being accurate in the way that you report their experiences to.
2: That's something that I always ask myself. We're taught as journalists that we need to be objective. How do you reconcile objectivity with empathy when you're in an environment which is so emotive and where you say human rights are at stake?
3: I actually think in that context, objectivity is bullshit. I hope that wasn't too direct a to question. It's like it's obvious. Like we we know what is right and wrong. You not say gonna... it's
2: obvious, but so many people.
3: It's because it's it's such. It's part of the institution, right? It's it's these. It's the old guard, in the sort of old-fashioned mainstream, where yes, that is how you were taught and how it's meant to be. You know, this objectivity of the of the BBC and this non-bias but i think we just we live in a different age now where i think we should have learned by now that actually it's kind of impossible to be objective Galdem, we have we're very clear in who we are i mean we tell truth we tell the truth that's i think there's a there's a difference between this trying to be objective and then the the truth right the truth is is way more important than this like striving to be objective mm. and so i think that's where the that's where the difference Because
2: reality is emotive and
0: reality
3: maybe is moral. Yeah, as an example, being in Chile, and there was kind of quite famously, the police and the army use sort of, um, what do they call it? Non-lethal weapons, crowd control weapons, rubber bullets and tear gas and things like that. But they use them in such a way that they actually seriously injure people and even kill people. And there was a huge crisis of, people losing their eyes that they were blinded. Mm. You know that's that's police brutality. That's human rights abuses. If by me speaking to the victims of this and speaking to human rights groups and not getting a quote from the from the Chilean state if that's not objective like I just like don't give a fuck because yeah. it's the truth of what is happening.
0: So, Naomi, it's genie time. We're going to pretend you're a genie. But instead of three wishes, you have one wish.
3: <laughs> stingy, stingy genie. You're a
0: stingy, yeah, yeah, you're In- a stingy inflation, genie. Inflation times genie. Exactly. There's a cost of living crisis, okay? <laughs> you get one wish. One wish to change anything you
3: like about the mainstream media. What is it? I was thinking about this, and the first thing that came to my head was that I wish people like Piers Morgan would just fuck off. Yeah, Because it's just so... How is it? It's just so... (laughs) Like, why? Why are these people still with so much power when Mm. we know that they, like, consistently lie? I feel like I'm talking about Boris Johnson right now. What was it? Like, 20 years ago, he got sacked from the Daily Mirror for publishing those doctored photos about the British soldiers abusing Iraqi prisoners. Yeah everyone's forgotten about that yeah and he is now super rich he's super powerful and i just feel like somewhere down the line the mainstream media has just allowed shit people fundamentally absolutely to continue rising to the top but you could
2: be talking about boris johnson because he was sacked for fabricating (laughs) quotes way back i mean if i I fabricated quotes or images i would never come back from that career-wise no
0: I don't understand you know where that comes yeah. <laughs> from. Oh, wait. That's where it comes from. I do think that at some point, the, the media will kind of have to turn around and look at itself and say that, like, we allowed this. Like, we allowed this to happen. We allowed people like Piers Morgan to broadcast to millions of viewers in the mid-morning and really harm trans and non-binary mm-hmm. people and, like, take the piss out of them live on air and say, oh, I'm a two-spirit penguin. Horrible, horrible stuff. And at some point, you do hope, you know, we'll turn around and take a look at ourselves, but I'm not sure what it would take to get to that point.
2: And I think that the media that that now props up Piers Morgan or the people who hire him would say, yeah, but this is just... The market, you know, there's a market for Mm. it. And if our viewers want it, we're just giving them what they want. But I think what that misses is that the mainstream media very willingly creates this market, very willingly flares up unfounded fears, us and them fears, because it's so much easier to make a profit off a lie than it is of the truth. It's so much easier to make a profit off hate than it is off understanding. There is no moral responsibility in a free market. And so this is what the free market does to an industry, the media that should fundamentally be public service oriented.
3: No, you're so right. I think we, we created this. We created this and on that note, we're
2: gonna take a quick break, have
1: a sip of wine and a chocolate biscuit, and we'll be back with you shortly. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
0: The biscuits are still untouched, but the rhubarb juice is proving a winner. <laughs> Delicious, actually.
2: It is. I know. My dad makes it. Sque- oh, I made it. he made that. Squeezes it with his own hands. No, that's <laughs> not. My dad makes rhubarb juice. That's what my dad does. We'll have him on next episode. Okay. <laughs> so we've gotten rid of Piers Morgan. <laughs> He's gone. We've gone. <laughs> now let's talk about the stories we do like. What is your favourite story that you've ever reported on?
3: I did a story for the Guardian a little while ago that I think is my favorite because I got to meet Laura Marling.
2: (laughs) You love Laura Marling? She is my queen, Piers Morgan, bad. Laura Marling,
3: queen. (laughs) Um, I did a story about gender inequality in the music industry. I I kind of hate numbers and I hate data. And this was like my one and only data story. Because I think my my theory was, if you go see a, a gig Just in your local pub, you're more than likely not going to see a woman Mm. or a non-binary person on stage, right? I wanted some hard, solid facts, but couldn't find them anywhere. So then I was like, okay, I'm just going to look on this one gig listing site and then go through every single band that was playing across the UK. Google them, find out what the makeup of that band was.
2: How long did this take? Oh
3: my God, it, looks, it took so much time. <laughs> did, you,
2: did you have some kind of Excel formula to help you get No, through, because I, I do not understand,
3: I do not know anything about Excel. I only recently learned how to add up the cells. Are they called cells? Yeah, the, I still don't yeah. still I still
2: couldn't do that. <laughs> this is, yeah, maybe not great for women, jobs. It was,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You don't represent all women, okay? This no, is what I feel like. You, I feel that pressure. Like if oh I'm, my gosh, if I'm with a bunch of people and it's like, oh, let's kick around a ball. Does anyone want to play? And none of none of the women want to play. Then I'm like, oh, I have to play. Yeah, for some you know, kind.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that way play. when I'm parking, and if it's like particularly tricky, and I feel like everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, no, because I'm really gonna like fulfill the stereotype that women can't uh, drive. I will, I will park for you. One time I was parking in a really,
2: really, really crowded car park, and this man came up. I hadn't even tried to park yet, so I hadn't demonstrated. How, skills my skills he came up and he said would you like me to park for you <gasps> I
1: like, yes, stop I know.
3: I would have been like. I lost it. <laughs> would you like me to do I part, shopping for I part you? I parked my like, ass off. I parked like I have never
0: parked. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of you.
2: Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: How did we get on to this? So, data. Okay, so, yes,
0: yes. So, you were trawling through yeah. this gig listing site. Yeah. And I imagine the conclusion was a hell of a lot of men.
3: More than two thirds of the live music acts performing on this random day in october i think it was will feature no women on stage and that was five
0: years ago you said that article came out and it is still a problem it's still a hot topic i went to primavera festival in 2019 and again this year and in 2019 they had committed to a 50 50 lineup so that was 50 50 of men and women but In committing to that, what they had also done, I think just naturally, it meant that there were more people of colour playing. It meant that there were more people with disabilities playing. It meant that there were more marginalised genders playing. And honestly, it was the best festival I have ever been to that year. It felt so amazing. One day, I remember I turned to my friend and I said, we've only seen women today. And it was absolutely amazing. And this is coming from someone who was a very big fan of men with guitars. Yeah. Honestly, I don't ever want to go to a festival again where they haven't committed to it. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Okay,
2: I have a question, actually, because a friend of mine shared his playlist with me and I noticed that it was pretty much all men. Good music, but all men. And he said, yeah, okay, you're probably going to think I'm sexist. I just don't really enjoy listening to female singing voices as much as male singing voices. Can you say that's sexist? Because that's not a choice.
3: I I feel like he just really hasn't listened to that much music. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Female voices, are so diverse. A female voice
0: is not like a homogenous group. You know (laughs) what I mean? There's so many different sounds. And also, you know, it's not just... Singers, it's drummers yeah. and musicians of all kind of producers. Producers, I think the ratio is far far worse. Mm. Our resident
2: artist Samfire is uh, also a female producer, and she's part of a group called Two Percent Rising, mm. and it's called Two Percent Rising because ninety eight percent of producers
3: in the music industry mm. are men. And, and also, if you think about it like that, they are the people who kind of create the sounds effectively of mm-hmm. what we listen to. So it almost in a way makes sense that your friend would think like that because. So much of the music that we listen to and consume has been through the ears and the hands of of men. They are kind of putting a, a little man tinge on the music. <laughs> the music, <laughs> the music oh, tinge. Man tinge sounds like the
0: worst aftershave ever. <laughs> yeah.
3: Man tinge. Can I just say something about Paul McCartney? Yes. Because I've just come back from Glastonbury, and I feel a bit croaky. And so it was really mad for me to see, but like mad in a good way, to see Paul McCartney headline. But he, there was not a woman on stage. Mm. And the two guests that he brought on, Dave Grohl and Bruce Springsteen, like, fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've contributed to the world of music. But do we really need two men with guitars? You know, there were tens of thousands of people in this crowd I just think, yes, you have lots of power. You need to fucking take responsibility of of what image you're projecting to these people. Get fucking women musicians on stage. The power of pulling someone from an
2: underrepresented musical demographic onto that stage in that moment. You could have done so much
3: more with that moment than you did because your brain's just not on it. And bringing it back into the world of journalism editors need to take that responsibility too, in terms of the diversity and the types of stories that we're covering. It's gotta you be know. a constant we are, McCart- yeah. we are all Paul McCartney. We are all Paul McCartney.
2: And I guess, I guess with organizations like Galdem, where you are constantly, consciously trying to correct an imbalance, some people might look at it and say, oh, but you only commission writers mm. of color. You know, I couldn't write for you guys. And some people would be like, oh, but how's that helping? But this is the issue. Unless you are constantly, consciously Mm. correcting the imbalance,
0: it just doesn't happen. Exactly. Tell us a little bit more about the music you make, what you
3: do what your sound is
2: can you sing for us (laughs) come on we need some more female gigs (laughs) female gig number one here in my living room i
3: mean to be fair i need to up my spotify numbers so i'm I'm an artist called Naomi blue yeah singer songwritery stuff but i have a band it can get a bit heavy a bit psychedelic sometimes it's been quite helpful actually to balance the journalism side and the musical side because it's another way of telling stories effectively
0: do you feel ever the pressure to only be doing one thing? Can't be doing journalism and music. Pick a lane.
3: I think it is actually really vital that you do lots of different things because we, as human beings, are multifaceted people and I cannot think of anything worse than only doing one thing because I would just, I think I'd lose it. Because it's also, it's not always going to go well, your, your career. And then so you have the other thing that you do to back on and enjoy and give that gives you happiness and i think that goes either way especially now
2: that one job won't even pay you a basic living wage and you might still be on two back you may as well pick this up a couple the
3: thing you kind of have to and i also think as as a free it's just so hard being a freelance journalist although i would say that i do recommend it i loved it mm. and it was great and i got to do like so many amazing yeah i
2: love it no illusions it is but it, it, is is gr- it is a grind.
3: Mm. You know, it's just constant rejections. It's constant late payments.
2: Chasing massive yeah. multinational corporations to pay <laughs> to you. have so much money. <laughs> to pay you for something that you published months ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And,
3: and people- to pay you like 70 pounds. <laughs> 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 this is also, yeah, exactly. You need to have a little side gig as a freelancer. Mm. And I think anyone who doesn't have a side gig is is lying
0: lying.
2: because it's
3: literally, it's literally impossible to survive.
2: uh, I could add a few things to my Twitter bio.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Naomi, where can people follow you? And do you have anything to plug? I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Naomi Lars. N-A-O-M-I-L-A-R-S it's part of my surname I don't know why I am thinking it would have been easier just to put my actual name Um, and I'm on Instagram as well as at Naomi in Blue
2: and on Spotify people can stream you I guess
3: Naomi in Blue, Spotify wherever you listen to your things
2: and a few more plugs for our listeners, in case you haven't noticed the last two guilty feminist episodes. See Deborah joined by none other than Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye Galore. Helena's really excited next to me, too excited. So head on over and give them a listen. It was just great. They've got such a soothing voice, and I
0: love it. Even more oh, silky than the hair. The hair. The hair. Anyway, (laughs) meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, over at MediaStorm, we've been investigating abortion access, how reporting has unfolded in the US over the shocking overturning of Roe versus Wade and the surprising ongoing barriers to abortion here in the UK. So that episode will be out next Thursday, the 7th of July in time for your morning commute. See you then.